Hello and welcome to the Sporting Voices podcast with me, Steve Hall, the show where we interview and talk to people from across the sporting world, the sporting media landscape, to see how they got into their role, the role in general, etc. It's, it's all self-apparent. And I'm delighted to say that I'm joined this week by commentator, broadcaster, reporter, Mark Scott. Uh, Mark, thanks so much. Um, I hope I got all your job titles right. Did, did I miss anything? No, I think that's all of it. You know, jack of all <laughs> trades, master of none and everything. Absolutely not, mate. You don't, don't do not get do yourself a disservice at all. Um, I'm sure people <laughs> recognise. I'm sure people recognise your voice by now. But if they don't, uh, you're, you're probably most the voice probably most well known for the for the commentary that Mark does on match of the day games. Um, obviously, Mark, you you your before we get to match of the day, we'll go back to the beginning a little bit. You started your broadcasting career in radio before you transitioned yeah. to TV. Um, that's quite a common way, in, again, there'll be a lot of people listening who, who go through student radio or radio gigs, etc. Um, is that kind of the, just the journey you took? Uh, yeah, yeah, pr- pretty much. I mean, it's, it's, um, there's always a little bit of luck involved, I think, for anyone. But you're absolutely right. Certainly in terms of football commentators, I would say, at a guess, 80 to 90% started off in radio and then moved into TV. One of the main reasons for that is that there wasn't as much TV football out there as there is now. You know, you think back and, you know, there, was, uh, there wasn't live wall-to-wall football. There were World Cups and Euros and stuff, but, you, you know, you could name the commentators on one hand, you know, Barry Davis, John Watson, Brian Moore, you know, there weren't that many out there. Um, so there was a lot of local radio, though, uh, all the BBC stations, a lot of commercial radio stations. Um, so I think generally that was a path that a lot of people trod. But I went to uni at Nottingham Trent University. I knew that I wanted to be a, a football commentator from, from when I was quite young. So when I was looking at unis, obviously there were no degrees in football commentary, but I thought broadcast journalism at Nottingham Trent was the closest thing I could get to that with a view to obviously doing some extracurricular stuff there, like working on the uni radio station, uh, which which was a big part of it as well. So yeah, I did a, I did a degree, a three-year degree at Nottingham Trent. I, I, I had a look at Leeds, um, I think Sheffield, Hallam, Liverpool, John Moore, all broadcast degrees um, that, um, that I wanted to do um, and went to Trent and uh, got work on the uni radio station, which was a big help. But as I said, you need a bit of luck. And um, Adam Leventhal, who is now um, presenter at Sky Sports News and writes for The Athletic, he was on my course and I lived with him in the second year and he was already working at Capital Radio at that time. And one weekend he said, look, they need someone to do Brentford against Walsall um, uh, do you want to give it a go? And obviously I was like, yes, absolutely. This is, you know, I grew up listening to Capital Gold and Jonathan Pierce was like um, the, the inspiration for me wanting to be a commentator. So to, to have the chance to actually work with him uh, as my first sort of gig at the age of uh, 19 was, uh, was something I was obviously going to leap at and um, got in, uh, got my foot in the door, kept doing a few more games for them while I was at uni and then um, eventually got a full-time job at Capital after freelancing there for a while. So like I say, you always need a bit of luck. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's sometimes it can be a case of, of, of getting your foot in the door and making the most of it, for sure. Um, in terms of, you you, then, you obviously transitioned to TV now, and again, there'll be people perhaps, if there's anyone listening to this not based in England, who will recognise your voice, because you do world service games a lot of the time, so you will be record, broadcasting live, as well as doing the, the highlights commentary for Match of the Day, you also do the live games for the Premier League productions and Bundesliga World Yeah. Um, yeah. What's the, how, if you don't mind, how's the, the difference between doing the live games there than the match of day commentary? Obviously, 
sometimes you might have a co-commentator where I'm actually that you don't. Is yeah. There, is, there, is there a massive difference or is it kind of the same process <laughs> for you? I think the thing is a lot of people think that for Match of the Day, we don't do it live and we record it after the game. And you always get comments like, oh, how did he know that that was going to be his, uh, his first free kick goal in over two years? And I, I can say, handle heart, we do it live. But obviously, we know that the whole game isn't going to go out live. So you won't necessarily be commentating when the ball is on the halfway line and there's not a great deal going on because that's not likely to to make the edit or um, if the ball goes out for a goal kick, you know, um, whereas when you're doing a live game, you know, you're, you're given a lot more to the, to the view, you're given more stats. Um, there's not really much time for, for sort of stats or little stories about players during a match of a day game because the edits are normally between six and nine minutes, depending on how good the game is, how action packed it's been. Um, so the commentary for match of a day is a lot more sort of, you know, about the action. Um, whereas a live game, obviously, especially if it's not a great game, you need to have some other stuff to throw in there to, to sort of, you know, keep the, keep the viewer interested, really. And, and the, the dichotomy of, of working with a co-commentator as well, obviously on live yeah. games. Does that make your job easier? Is that more difficult? Because I, I imagine sometimes is that on the plus side, is that you mentioned there, well, fill in time, well, you can always go to your expert. But on the plus yeah. side, like, you've got two people to worry about. You've got to worry about watching the game, what he's saying or she's saying. It, it, it must be, like pros and cons, is that fair to say? Um, I think so, because you're, you're in control when you're, when you're doing match of the day, because it is yeah. just you. Um, but at the same time, it's always great to have a co-commentator with you, especially if the game is pretty drab. And it, gives, it, it, it is a bit of a different dynamic, because while they're analysing something, you can maybe have a quick glance at your notes and sort of, you know, while they're talking about a certain player, look down and go like, oh, yeah, you know, he played for Brazil last week. And, um, you know, that was his 70th appearance for them in the last, you know, five years or something. And if they're sort of, um, if he or she's giving like a, you know, a, you know, some praise to them, you can then sort of come in with that. So it just gives you a little bit of breathing space. Obviously, you need to keep your eye on what's going on. But if the ball, like I say, has gone dead and they're talking and it gives you that opportunity to quickly flick through your notes, Whereas when you're doing match of the day, maybe it's not quite, you know, and also you'll be doing some full live commentaries um, on your own as well. So when you do the world feed for the Bundesliga, for example, the, the sort of, there's about out of the nine games each weekend, I think five of them have a co-commentator and four of them are just you on your own. So even when you're doing a live game, you can flip between having a, a, a co-commentator and being on your own. And yeah, I certainly think it always just, you know, you share the burden when you've got a co-commentator with you. And also, um, you develop a bit of an understanding either before or, you know, um, you know maybe you'll speak to them um, in the days before a game about when you're going to talk, you know, when, when they're going to come in. Um, you know, recently, um, with some of the radio stuff I've been doing for UEFA, that's, we've had to use Zoom to, to sort, of, um, uh, sort of communicate between each other, uh, which, is, uh, which has been a... A new experience but yeah um i think that you know it, it, it's certainly I, I don't think you'll ever be disappointed when you get told that your game is one with a co-commentator rather than on your own if nothing else someone to keep you company mate for a few for a few hours yeah nothing else yeah um yeah absolutely I can, I can imagine that in terms you mentioned there about drab games and stuff and as a viewer, obviously we're not getting paid and you are there's a, there's a difference but we can just turn a, a bad game off um yeah. Whereas your your job is to stop that happening by hook or by crook. Is there anything that you you might look to do? Is there anything you can do to try and do anything? Because 
we've all sat there watching a, a nil-nil sometimes. And if it isn't your team, you know, when there's when there's 400 other channels you can watch and, and live sports happening all over the globe, it, it can be quite easy to just go, you know what, let's just, let's just go and see what's happening in, I don't know, Watford versus Bournemouth rather than Palace versus Newcastle, which is a nil-nil. Yeah. Is, 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 that, is that difficult for you to, when you, when you know you're watching a bad game, is that something that is just subconsciously in the back of your mind or do you just have to carry on as normal? Yeah, I think you, you, basically I'll never try and make out that a, that a game that is really poor is, you know, a, a belter or a blockbuster. There's no point sort of trying to con the viewer into thinking they're watching, you know, uh, uh, a Real Madrid against Barcelona when it is a really drab nil-nil with no chances. But at the same time, I don't think you should ever coat off the game because, you know, that's more likely to get the viewer to go, well, the commentator's not even enjoying yeah, this yeah. or interested in this, so why am I going to stick around? So it is about trying to come up with, and this is where it's also subjective, coming up with interesting stuff, you know, the odd amusing tidbit um, about players, if you can find good stories about them, rather than maybe just the dry statistics. Um, I always think that that's more likely to make someone think, you know, oh, well, you know, there are some elements to this, even if the football's not great. I mean, generally, if the football's bad, people will turn off, but... I think just trying to create a bit of a story about the game. Um, and if you do have some stats that say, you know, well, nothing's happened so far, but these teams have both scored 80 goals in the last season in the final 15 minutes, you know, you don't want to turn off. There's normally a late show coming. Then that's always a handy statistic to have up the sleeve to, to try and entice them to stick around. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine that that's the, that's the hook, isn't it? The ending's going to be good, yeah. I promise. Uh, I've been there, mate, I've been there. Um, if you don't mind, Mark, I'd like to ask you about how you prepare in the days leading up to a game. So if you get told, for example, this weekend you were going to commentate on the Community Shield or whatever what's happening as we record, at what stage do you begin your planning for that and how do you go about doing it? You mentioned there, like, you have your stats and you have your notes. Is there a certain process you have or does it differ depending on the game and what have you? It depends, it depends on who I'm working for because, as I say, the way that I prepare my stuff for match of the day compared to how I prepare for, say, a Bundesliga World Feed commentary is different because, um, you know, you've got more time to, to get across some sort of stories and, uh, and narratives. You know, if, if there's a manager close up and there's been a really good story about say Julian Nagelsmann that week and you know he's he's come out and said something you know quite crazy or there's been a funny story about him from the training ground you've got enough time during a full commentary to talk for 30 or 40 seconds about it and inform the viewer of some of these stories that they may not be aware of on match of the day you know they'll show little cutaways of the managers but you know it's only going to be like 10 seconds or so so I'll have bullet points for you know um something along the lines of Mikel Arteta says Arsenal need to take six points from the next two games or else they're out of the Champions League race. Something quite succinct like that, because you know that that could make the edit. Um, it might not, but it's more likely than if you've gone on for like 45 seconds to a minute, um, because that's too long because some of the edits are only five or six minutes long. Whereas in a live game, uh, obviously there's no one editing it. So you're in complete control and you've got the luxury of having more time to play with. So, the, the sort of the, the, the stats in terms, of, sorry, the, um, the sort of news lines and information and stories um, that I'll look for will be slightly different um, because of uh, the, the program I'm working on. And also, if you're doing match of the day, you're catering to a UK audience. If you're doing a world feed, the, 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 the very term means that, you know, you're broadcasting to the world. So you don't necessarily assume that there's so much knowledge about it, especially, say, if you're doing a Nations League game, 
um, and you're doing, you know, two countries that maybe aren't the most fashionable in terms of people watching football, um, you need to really sort of assume no knowledge whatsoever and, you know, sort of uh, couch it in a bit of a different way. In terms of when the prep starts, um, I'll always get the, the player stats done first of all, uh, because, you know, from say, you know, uh, you know, you're doing a game on Saturday, you wait till those two teams have both played their last game and then you'll start to look at their, you know, goals, appearances this season. Um, I always think an interesting one is, you know, obviously if they've played for the opposition before or played for one of their rivals, um, if they've scored against that team before, um, anything else that relates to that particular opponent um, and any other players from the other team that the same nationality, just all little things like that. And then there's the obvious things, you know, like if they've been in the news that week for saying they want to leave the club or, you know, other bits and pieces like that. But then a bit closer to the game, I'll wait until we have the manager press conferences and I'll always watch those back um, on the club website. They're normally quite good now at putting the full, you know, um, pre-match press conference down. And I'll sit through that and listen to it and, you know, make a few notes. And that's also very handy as well. If you're doing a game for match a day and it's a BBC production, um, because the games um, in the Premier League, Sky produce um, a lot of them. BT produce the ones that are live on BT. And then the BBC produced three of the three o'clock kickoffs on a Saturday when, when we still had three o'clock kickoffs. And if you're doing that, then the match of the day commentator has to do the pre-match interview at the game with, um, with both the managers and the player from each team. So it's always good to be prepared and know, say, that Roy Hodgson said in the week, Palace are down to the bare bones and it would be a bit of a miracle if they could get anything out of Man City this weekend. Because then when you're interviewing them beforehand, you might be able to say, well, Roy, you know, you said that this is a miracle if you're going to get anything because of the injuries you've got. And so that helps with that side of it yeah. as well. So that would be the general sort of, you know, and I'd say that, um, you know, two day, I mean, it, it depends. If you've done the teams quite recently, you can just update your notes, which obviously saves time. But if you're doing two teams from scratch, I'd say it's normally a, a sort of a two-day job um, is the way that I'd, I'd look at it. Cool. I was, I've got a couple of questions off there. So if I start first, you mentioned there the Nations League, and I was, I've was i got yeah. written down here because there are games that I've seen you've done where they are just two countries. Who, to be fair, there'll be a lot of people who just do not know a lot about them. So it could be, you know, because so, it's such a vast competition. Are you aware that when you're on that game, like you might, for example, if you were doing England versus Scotland, you, would, you wouldn't have to give as much teaching, but if you're doing Finland versus Latvia or something, whatever it is, then you probably do, you know, the, the likelihood is that your viewers and listeners aren't going to be aware of these players. Is that something where you mentioned before about just a little tidbit? Is that where that's key? And maybe for yourself as well, because you might not be familiar with these players. You're, yeah. almost, you're, almost, you're almost revising before you're then passing that information on. It must be quite difficult because I've always thought when I've been involved in... in, in and stuff like this where I've gone maybe I've had to interview or someone who I'm not particularly familiar with. I'm almost on Wikipedia or Google finding these things out and you've got to be kind of sure it's right and I'm not always am. Is that something Yeah, well, I steer clear of Wikipedia because you can't yeah, yeah, trust yeah. Um, that. But And sometimes getting, you know, juicy statistics about players is pretty tricky and, you know, sometimes there just isn't anything to say apart from... This is the 20-year-old Latvian um, who's making his third appearance for the senior side. And that's all you've got. You know, um, you can't really find out much more about them because the information isn't as readily available as it is for sort of more household names. Um, you know, you, you do find some very handy Twitter sites sometimes like Latvian Football News. 
And you can sometimes, you know, um, follow that person and DM them and they'll give you a whole raft of information. And that's obviously a godsend when the, the more mainstream side of the information isn't available to yeah. you. Um, so, uh, so yeah, you do. But I guess the thing is as well, even when you're doing it for, t for, um, for countries that are more recognisable, you, you know, if you were going to say something about a player, you know, oh, and he grew up in, in Peckham, you know, you would need to sort of say Peckham in South London because just because we all know where that is, someone watching in Azerbaijan wouldn't necessarily know where Peckham is. So when you're doing it for a world feed, there is that sort of, you know, don't assume any massive degree of knowledge because you're, you're going out to a, to a global audience. Yeah, I live in Liverpool and I don't think I could know where Peckham is and it was London, but I, could, I, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to tell you which part is. So yeah, I agree with you there. Um, in terms of match of day, uh, I'm guessing, uh, again, don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that for me, if I was in your line of work, would almost be the gold standard of where everyone wants to be. You either want to be doing a live game on BT or Sky, like you mentioned, or you want to be the match of the day commentator. That must have been, like you mentioned before, for someone who got their break by going to cover Brentford that uh, a radio station to then be given that chance on my today. That must be something you're very, very proud of. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it sounds a bit corny, but it is it is an honour. And a colleague of mine actually described it better than I could because all I would say is that every game is an honour. You know, I still can't. I still, you know, I I listen to the uh, the theme tune on my way to games because it gets me going. <laughs> so a bit like the players turn up in their big. Bose headphones, like and, like you know, Neymar with his boombox. You've got you've got my yeah today. yeah <laughs> exactly. You know they'll 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 be watching uh, or they'll be listening to some hip hop or some grime or something like that. And I've got the match of the day theme uh, going on in my headphones because it's just a reminder that you're working on the most uh, the most famous football program in the world. Yes. Um, and you know it's iconic in it. And and as I say, uh, a colleague of mine described it better than I could. He said for a com and obviously working for BT or Sky. Uh, ITV is is an honour as well. I'm not saying that um, uh, that BBC or Match of Day is necessarily any higher, but for me, it it was always the aim. So to get there was one thing, but also he said that you know for for a commentator, being on Match of Day is a bit like playing for England. Mm -hmm. And I and I sort of thought that that for me summed it up you know absolutely perfectly. So every game does feel like a like a cap. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, it is, I wouldn't say that, you know, for me, it's the pinnacle, but I think it's just, you know, if you can get to that, that level, um, you know, either being on, you know, one of the broadcasters that's showing the football, um, but also I look around at the, the other commentators that are in that squad. Um, and obviously I'm, I'm new, um, compared to, to all of them and they're all household names. So it's a bit like sitting in the dressing room and, and looking around and, you know, seeing all these, uh, these superstars of the of the commentary game in the same changing room as you, and you know, I mean, they 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 at the end of match at the end of the season, um, match day in the final game, uh, final show always put up a list of credits, and you see your name on there along like Guy Mowbray, Steve Wilson, Jonathan Pierce, Simon Brotherton, Steve Bauer, and when he was still working, John Motson, you know, that is always you know makes me sort of smile, yeah. Yeah, I would say you. It's weird because although they're your colleagues, you probably don't see them that often because you're always at different ends of the country and stuff. But is there anyone, are any of those guys been helpful for you in terms of advice or anything like that? Is, any, is there anyone of those that you, you could go to? Yeah, well, Steve Wilson was very um, kind to me before um, my first ever game on Match of the Day because, yeah, I was nervous. And, I, and, and, and as I said, it's a very different, although I've done world feed and full match commentaries and radio commentaries, Match of the Day is so unique because you're not commentating for a live 
game, you've got to think about it in slightly different ways. Like, you know, one, so I spoke to Steve and, um, he, you know, he, his advice was invaluable. And I can't remember everything he said, but some of the little things were like, you know, try not to reference things that have happened earlier in the game too much because they might not show that. So if, if you know, um, I don't know, Benteke has, you know, uh, missed the sitter and you sort of saying that's the second good chance that he's wasted today and they haven't shown the first chance because there isn't time, then you've left the, the guys who are editing it in a bit of a hole. So if you try and sort of, you know, not, not sort of back-reference stuff that's happened earlier, that makes their life a lot easier. Um, and, you know, just, uh, yeah, so just he was very helpful at giving me sort of like little insights into how it differs from doing a sort of a bog standard full match commentary. And he very kind, I mean, sod floor, you know, you, you get your first game and you're hoping it's going to be 5-4 in first game on. And mine was Bournemouth nil, Palace nil, and it was last match all on Boxing Day. 2015 but Steve very kindly stayed up till the bitter end um and um and watched it and sent me a text saying good job um thought you uh thought you sounded good which which obviously meant a lot to me coming from someone who I hold in very high regard and like I've asked um Guy as well for feedback and he's been really good I mean all you know Jonathan Pierce as well when I've when I've seen him like I say I don't see them that often but um but yeah they've all they've all been very very helpful very kind Amazing, like I say, just to have those references to call upon is a, a fantastic privilege. Uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, Mark, about when you are sometimes on match a day, and I've seen you do other work again for Premier League productions and stuff, where you not only are you commentating, but you're also, you might be doing the pre-match, or you might be a link live, it could be football focus, and, all, and you know, we're going yeah. to Mark at Vicarage Road and stuff. Is that, I'm trying to think, because you're, you're there to do two or three jobs at once, is that almost something like where you, you, <laughs> you, what you are, you, you mentioned before, jack of all trades, I'm not going to say master of none, maybe master of all, <laughs> but you're, you, you, you are, you've got a few different hats on in one yeah. day, so you, you might go from, like say, a, pre a pre-link on Football Focus to interviewing Roy Hodgson to commentating on Roy Hodgson to interviewing Roy Hodgson again, it, it must be, like, it must go, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it must be a whirlwind for you and, and for you to keep composure because, you know, especially the live links, you, you know, if you make a mistake on my today, you might get edited out. There's no editing out yeah. live into the studio. It, it does, it does feel like that's a, a lot of weight on your shoulders, if nothing else, that you've got a lot to do in, in, in one day. And it's not the same job you are, you are met around the, no. around the place. You have to, you, you are kept on your toes if it's one of those days where if the BBC are the host broadcaster, which means that they're, um, crewing the game with their director, their cameras, um, their, their um, satellite truck, then they have the ability to then do the live hits into Football Focus final score, um, both before and after the game. Yeah. So I think on one day I did um, two hits into Football Focus, a pre-match hit into final score, post-match hit into final score, and the interviews before the game as well. <laughs> so that was obviously, you know, full on. But um, although... It's, did, he, did he pay you more for that? He, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's the same, no. same rate whether you, whether you do all that um, or if you just turn up and, and do the commentary and, and do the interviews afterwards. But, I mean, it is, um, I don't know if stressful is not the right word. It's full on, but I, I actually really enjoy it because um, you feel more part of a part of a team and it's, it's always good fun. You know, um, I, I think it's good to sort of like have a variety of different skills. And I think more and more now commentators are doing sort of envision pieces on, on a lot of channels, you know, you see it happening more and more. Um, and the interviews, you know, again, you know, it's, it, it is stressful when you've just come down from the gantry and you're trying to think of what happened in the game 
and do the interview and not forget anything. Um, but at the same time, it's a bit of a rush as well. Yeah. Um, and if you do a good interview and, you know, you feel that you got a lot out of a manager, then you come away, you know, with, with a real sense of satisfaction as well. So a bit like if you do a good commentary, if you do a good interview and you feel that you've got the, the best line out of the manager, then, um, then you know, that, that is enjoyable too. But as I say, sometimes it's all a bit of a blur, especially bang on the final whistle, run downstairs and you think, oh God, there were two red cards. There was that penalty, a penalty appeal, the VAR thing. And you're desperately trying to sort of make sure that you cover all of the talking points in the game without, because once the interview's done, if you then see Sky go and do theirs and they ask something and you haven't asked it, you're like, oh, but yeah. that's it. It's, uh, it's gone. Yeah, there's no, there's no second chance. I've got two more questions before I let you go, Mark. You've been very generous with your time. I appreciate it. No the problem. First one, the, the first one is that you mentioned there, interviewing managers. Um, I've done that in the past myself, and I found it very, very nerve-wracking, especially if their team had lost. Or, if yeah. they're, you know, you've, it's a horrible question to ask. Like, you know, there could be a manager who's under pressure. And it's an awful thing to say to a guy, you know, do you fear for your job? But, it, yeah. but then your your job is to ask that job as well, is that? Yeah, yeah. I, I Personally, I've, I've found that in the past quite difficult to do. I don't know if you, obviously you're more experienced. You've done uh, well, I, I, team, but it, it, it isn't easy, is it? It's not easy at all. It's not easy, but I think that one of the things I always think is don't go in with that to start off with. Leave that to the last <laughs> yeah, question. Yeah. Because you might if like you start it. off with that, then, you know, you might you might get one word answers and it'll be a one minute interview. Um so I think always leave it to the end. Always just be, always be polite. I think um, the pre-lockdown, um, I think Watford had beaten Bournemouth 3-0 at Bournemouth. And Bournemouth were in all sorts of trouble then. Obviously, they did eventually go down, but they were, they were in a right mess then. And I, and I just said to Eddie, you know, I'm sorry to have to ask this, but do you, you know, are you thinking about your future at the moment? And he was, you know, he was like, well, I, you know, of course, I, I think about, I review my sort of situation on a regular basis. And he, you know, gave me a, a perfectly fine answer. Um, Claude Puel, when Leicester were in a rotten run, I remember asking him a similar thing and um, he didn't take it quite so well. But it was, it was a good answer because I wouldn't say it was confrontational, but there was, you know, there was a bit of spark from him and um, a little bit of anger, I think. But um, you have to ask it. And I always think as long as you're polite, in the way that you go about it. And sometimes, yeah, it may, maybe it's a little bit of a, uh, a cop-out to sort of preface it with, you know, sorry to have to ask this because it sounds like you're sort of apologising for asking. But, you know, you, you, do have to, you do have to do it. And if they, if they get angry and walk away, you know, you haven't done anything wrong um, because you, you've only asked something that is what a lot of people are, are thinking. Yeah, for sure. I can't, like I said, I, I've been uh, not not Premier League level, but at different levels, and it, it isn't something I found particularly easy. But like I say, it's part of the job. And the last one, I recently on, on a previous episode, I spoke to John Gwynn, who some two obviously done darts commentary, and he does soccer Saturday yeah. as well. And he, you know, what a John's voice! Great. What a voice! What, what a voice! Exactly, <laughs> what a voice! And he said that sometimes on soccer Saturday he got a little bit frustrated. Sometimes if he was at, he mentioned that he was at Ipswich versus Fleetwood and. He wanted to talk and there was just no time to get into this. You know, the Premier League was kicking off and it was like a free-all somewhere else and he didn't get on it. Um, you mentioned before, what match are they where they do edits? Have you ever had a situation where, you know, you've had a really killer line or you've thought something's been really good and then you've watched the show back and, and they haven't put it in? Or Because that is one that you mentioned before, was on the on the live feeds, you can say what you want and it's always going to go in. So if you've got a good one, it gets in. Where on match are they? You are being edited, so it's, I would be a bit annoyed if I thought I'd done something really good and then someone else had gone, we didn't include that. I don't know if that's something yeah, that comes Yeah, no, across. no, that has, 
that has happened and it is annoying yeah. because you don't have any control over it. Um, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you can chat to an editor and say, look, if there's any way that you've got time, can you try and keep that line in? You know, sometimes it's a bit egotistical to sort of sort of say, oh, yeah, can you keep that one in? Because I was quite happy about that. It's a bit <laughs> like a, a, a comedian thinking that they've got a killer joke to, to drop in there. Um, but there was one that really I've still uh, and everyone that was at the game was like, oh, that's a great one. We'll slip that in. But it was uh, it was an FA Cup either first or second round game, and it was at Maidenhead. And I don't know if you know, but Timmy Mallet is, uh, is like a celebrity fan of, uh, of Maidenhead. I think, he you're, in the crowd. I think you're, playing fa- you're playing fast and loose with celebrity, I think there, Mark, but we'll... Uh, we'll yeah, we'll <laughs> but, uh, but, he was, but he was there, and they, um, they went to a close-up of him, and he was yawning, and just off the cuff, I went, well, he's hardly part of the wide awake club there. And, um, and everyone was like laughing, going, great line, great line. And uh, even the, the guy who was back in Salford editing it was like, yeah, that's great. So I watched it on the highlights that night and it wasn't in there. Oh, no. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't like the most important line in the world, but I was, it, the fact that it wasn't a pre-prepared one and I just came out with it, um, I just sort of thought, oh, yeah, did, did a good job then. It didn't, it didn't make it. And that, that's, that's not the only time that it's happened, but it's the one that's probably the most recent that, um, that I've thought about. Um, and also, it's, what's interesting as well is that when a goal goes in, if you're watching on Sky you'll normally see replays from about five or six different angles. And we, we obviously get those pictures at the same time and we're commentating over and over again on lots of different things. But on match of the day, they'll sometimes only show two or three replays of a goal. So you might have said a really good stat about, you know, um, that player or a really good sort of poetic line with a bit of alliteration in there. But if that replay isn't the sexiest angle, they might use one of the other ones and that's not where your best line of commentary is. So you can be a bit like, not hung out to dry, but just a bit like, ah, it's a shame that they used the third replay rather than the fifth one, because I was happier with the line I used on the, yeah, yeah, on the yeah. fifth one. But, you know, at the same time, you can't micromanage it all. And as, as, as one of the senior people said to me, you have to trust the guys who are editing the game because they know what they're doing. And that is a skill in its own right as well, what those guys um, what those guys managed to do uh, with some of the time restraints that they have. So you win some, you lose some. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I again don't edit it myself, and I've been on the other side of it. I've been edited out. It's not something that, you, like I say, you, you, you might get someone that give you a whisper, but you've got to, you've got to, It's the process. Is the process. Mark, I'm not going to take yeah. any more of your time off because you've uh, you've been very very generous. So I, I uh... no worries, Steve. No worries. No worries at all. A pleasure. And yeah, like I say, if it is for for students, um, you know, I would just say. Try and get as much work experience as you can. I know it's difficult at the moment um, with everything that's going on, but, you know, um, as much experience as you can get. And, and while at the time I did uni radio and there was more avenues in commercial radio like Capital when I was growing up, there's more now in, in the way of video stuff and sort of, you know, non-league clubs put their highlights up now on, on their websites. They might not have any commentary on it. Offer to maybe do the commentary for free for them you can do it at home, send them an audio recording, having watched it, they can marry up the pictures. I'm sure they'd be happy to have some commentary on there. So just, you know, look for as many avenues as you can to try and, you know, um, try and get as much experience as possible. Now, I commentated on my mates playing in the playground when I was 13. I'm not sure if it helped me or not, but, you know, um, it was practice of, of, a, of a kind, um, probably just because I wasn't good enough as a player. But, you know, just... Um, <laughs> Just try and think of as many different avenues to, to, to get some experience as possible. 
No, I think that's brilliant advice and anyone who's tried to break into your career path will, uh, I'm sure, will appreciate that. So again, thanks very much to Mark Scott. Make sure you keep checking out Match of the Day. He'll be back, He'll be back sooner than we think. The season's nearly upon us already and I'm sure you'll hear yeah. Mark's voice there. Um, and thanks for everyone for listening to the Sport and Voices podcast. Make sure you are subscribed to the channel if you're not. A nice five-star rating for Mark's episode, I'm sure, it would be appreciated all around. <laughs> um, and we'll be back next week with another famous person, famous voice from the world of sports media. Ta-da. <laughs>